We are It's Just a Hill, a cycling club that promotes inclusion, judgment-free with no gatekeepers. Focused on creating content from behind the handlebars to in the studio, It's Just a Hill is producing videos and podcasts to spread the message that cycling is for everyone. We are focused on reminding everyone that riding your bike can help you overcome any obstacle because after all, it's just a hill. Hello and welcome to another episode of the It's Just a Hill podcast. Uh, I'm going to dub this It's Just a Hill After Dark. The sun is down. I'm sitting here with Cal. Hi, Cal. Hi, John. This is another uh, edition of our, I don't remember what we were calling when we were doing the tour. Race recap. Talking about pro cycling. Right. We're talking about pro cycling today. This isn't even a race recap because the race has not started yet. I mentioned it is after dark. The sun is down. The world championships are upon us, but they are in Australia on the other side of the globe. Yes. This year, it's actually tomorrow over there right now. It's the future. And uh, the race is taking place in Australia, the land of marsupials and magpies. Yes. Wow. Do you have that prepared? I did. (laughs) Not looking at his phone or anything, so... Wow. Um, yeah, The so the UCI World Championships are upon us. The men's road race is in just about an hour's time. We're going to talk about uh, like the UCI Worlds in general a little bit beforehand, and then we might stop down a little bit and like watch the at least the beginning of the race live. We'll talk about that and sort of the complications living in uh, you know North America while watching that. Uh, mm-hmm. But the World Championships... It is a once a year event. The UCI, insert boost sound effect here. Uh, they put on a week of racing at a previously selected host city. Throughout the course of the week, there are time trials, road races to determine who will be the world champion for the next calendar year. And this year it is in, like we mentioned, Australia, Wollongong, Australia. Not too far south of Sydney. I just looked at it on a yeah, map. I had never heard of Wollongong before. I never heard of it this either. year. But yeah. now we know how to say it Wollongong. It's fun to say, and it is, yeah, it's south of Sydney. I've been, I've been watching it. So, like, things happen throughout the week. It is, uh, I was talking to you before, it's a lot more tropical than I thought it would be. Hmm. Um, it's nice, like, palm trees and stuff. Interesting that it is in Australia, which is, I know it's not, like, I guess it's in the Western world, but it is designed more, more like North America as opposed to a lot of the pro cycling that we watch, which is in Europe on older roads and mm-hmm. stuff. So I do think that's interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like the week of worlds and what it consists of? I sort of like briefed, uh, briefly went over it. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, um, we, we do have, uh, we have the time trials. Um, we have the road races, yep. uh, but besides just the, you know, uh, pro races there's also under 23 races there's junior races um it's a lot it's all happens all week all week the time trials were last weekend yeah there's even a um a mixed uh time trial where we have men and women riding together yeah but not Um, really together is oh they did it's like a uh, it's like relay yeah it's a relay relay. so the men go off and then the women go right afterwards Mm -hmm. and it's a combined time Mm -hmm. i wanted to see you know like people racing together. Yeah. Um, that'd be actually... Uh, it would have been interesting. Definitely. And I don't think it really... I don't know. Like, if even if you still wanted to do two teams of three, you could do one team has two men and one woman, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, the second team could have, like, two women and one man. You know? Yeah. Or you just do a team of four, so it's even two men, two women. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but yeah, it feels like they just split it up three and three. Yeah, the team time trial, they've actually tried different iterations of it. They've actually had the 
pro teams race uh, as really uh, yeah I think a few years they've done that because the thing is doing it as a national team you don't get to like then wear the rainbow jersey in a time ever. trial ever because right. um, there's not so know, they just do it for, are they just doing it for fun because then how does that work yeah, with like I what nation you're racing especially for? with the mixed uh, relay it is just kind of a, a for fun thing yeah like hey you're um, here for the week yeah you flew all the way to Australia yeah I mean you do get you get a medal in a jersey but you get to put it on the on the wall instead of yeah the, the medal in the jersey right um, so and that is something about the the worlds that's kind of what makes it special is you, yeah. you when you win you get to wear a jersey a rainbow a jersey with rainbow bands yeah the rainbow jersey uh, the rainbow bands for the next yeah. year and the bands yeah. you'll get to wear on your arm uh for the rest of, for your, the rest career. of your career yeah yeah um and so yeah talking a little bit about worlds how why it's unique what it is um the really sort of interesting and, and a strange thing about it is that it's not uh trade teams they're not the pro teams racing together right. these are national teams right and so these riders on their national teams um they really rarely, except for the Olympics, uh, maybe the European Championships, maybe the Commonwealth continental Games, continental Championships. Yeah, yeah. Which it, most teams don't really well, send big riders to because it's like during the course of mm -hmm, the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so these guys aren't typically racing together, no. and so it, it does create some interesting dynamics, as we'll talk about, because you have riders like uh, Wout Van Aert and Remco Evenepoel who are same team are on the same team but because they're from the same country could be uh yeah but typically for the rest of the year race against each other yeah on two um, teams that constantly compete mm -hmm. against each other in alpha to kunik they're yeah. changing too much and, mm -hmm. and yumbo visma yeah 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 so very interesting dynamics um uh and i guess maybe that's a good place to just well I, should we talk about that yeah, right let's away, talk about or? the men's race last. Mm -hmm. I'd like okay. to talk about okay. the men's race last. So um, the the TTs happened earlier in the week. The women's race was yesterday slash today, right? We're talking about this whole, like, you know, they're on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, the women's race, which was 164 kilometers or 102 miles, uh, 126 riders started that race and 78 completed. So that's a kind of a lot that DNF'd, like 40 riders, 50 mm -hmm. riders DNF'd. And that's 20 countries total. And now uh, this is a spoiler alert for the women's uh, road race. It was a wild finish. And not to go back to the women's time trial, but in the women's time trial, Annemiek Van Vluten crashed out at the start of the race. I don't even really know what happened. Uh, apparently, her chain uh, dropped from the big ring to the small. There's a small ring on the TT bike? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, in case you have to go up a, a big hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, generally, they don't typically ride one buys in, on most teams regardless. But um, it just, you know, dropped by some kind of mechanical fluke. Yeah. And the kind of like when you go to take a step and the step's not there, you know. You, yeah, she swerves she, heavily. She causes her to swerve. Uh, and yeah, she goes down. Right. Hits a curb, goes down. Um, a big favorite for the world road race. The yeah, road race. Fractured her elbow. Yes, fractured her elbow. Went um, down very hard. Yeah, and I, I hate to admit it, but I'd almost sort of hope she wouldn't start the road race because in a way it kind of makes it more exciting. Like if you watch the women's tour of France, Van Vluten basically 
showed that she had the ability to just ride away from everybody yes. from a long way out right. and hold that. She's advantage. one of the most dominant athletes of all time. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so... And guess what happened? Right. Uh, she crushed the women's race. Uh, it came down to a, t- a bunch of 12, yeah, at the end. Mm-hmm. There were sort of like two groups that in the last 5K were getting really close to to bridging the gap. But there was like a 10 or a 12-second gap that just like kept happening. The five or six riders in the front were just keeping the other riders off the back. And mm-hmm. then at one point, it became nine riders in the front. It was a lot of like jockeying back and forth. Mm-hmm. In the end, these 12 riders are going into the final sprint in like the last kilometer or so. And... Anamik is basically in the back of this group. She sort of sat in all day, yeah. right? Because she has a broken elbow, right. a fractured elbow. Yeah, it did make it for a more exciting dynamic. So yeah. rather than seeing her have like some four, win by a four-minute lead or something like right. that, she did have to she sit in. She had to sit in. Yeah. But in, in, in doing so, she saved all of her energy. And it looks like she scarfed up energy from some of the other riders because with... I don't know, maybe 0.3 kilometers to go, a decent amount still to go, like not like the last 500 yards. Mm-hmm. She she comes off the back and flies by everyone on the right-hand side of the road and holds on to this lead, this like resounding, maybe it was like a two or three second lead at one point, but mm-hmm. then it ends up coming down to like a one, one second lead, but she gets them by still a bike length. Yeah, basically and sprinting from like within... Just under a k, one k to go, or something yeah, like that. It was sprinting like, the whole time. Yeah, it was, it was very wild. impressive. Very impressive, and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And wearing two jerseys, also. Oh yeah, that's right. So, look, not a big fan of the UCI. So she's wearing her skin suit, mm-hmm. which is a different color than the uh, the other riders on her team. It's slightly different hue. It's like a lighter hue. And they want them to all be wearing the same colors. They say it's easier for judging or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They got big numbers strapped to the back of them. You know who Anamik Van Vluten is, right? And because she has a broken elbow, it's easier for her to just put another jersey on on top of the skin suit rather than like disrobe, put on bibs, and, and all that. So, yeah, she ends up having to wear... And those are those are kind of ugly, you know? Mm. Those like... she Yeah, she's Dutch, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Netherlands. It's it's a... I don't know. I don't like... So, like, worlds are, worlds to me are very exciting, right? Uh-huh. It's also, it's like the end of it. It's end of the calendar year. I don't like that Remco is racing with WoW. Like, I don't... I mean, I... It doesn't make it more enjoyable for me, you know? It So, it's, it's, it's interesting that, like... It, it comes down to this race that is very similar to some of these very hard one-day classics... And the team dynamics are different. So you get like, not to say that Julian Alaphilippe is a bad rider, but like France is a very strong team. And so it's just, I don't know. It it doesn't, I don't think it takes away from like the jersey because I do love the jersey. It's like the jerseys is one of my favorite thing about cycling, like the nuances of jerseys, world champion jerseys, country champion jerseys. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know. How do you feel about the dynamics being so different that, like, you know, Marianne Voss and Annemiek Van Vluten are racing together? They're on the same team. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple of things there. So we we could maybe do a segment later ranking national kits because oh, sure. some national kits are horrendous. When we're watching, I would love to do that because we're going to be watching the beginning of the race. It's probably going to be relatively boring. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, that'd be great. I would love to rank the jerseys because yeah, I can think of a couple right off the top of my head that are whack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to talk a little bit more about the, the format of how worlds functions. Um, uh, the course, as you mentioned, it tends to be some kind of loop. Yeah. Um, it tends to be a classics loop, although some years uh, do favor sprinters. We've seen guys like Mark Cavendish win in the past. Sure. Uh, we've also seen some very mountainous yeah. um, uh, uh, courses. Um, we had uh, a, one finish that I think came down to Day, Mike Woods, and uh, Alejandro Valverde ended up winning it. That was three or four years ago. Okay. In, um, Michael Woods... Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and another key point about the, the teams is that the nation, depending, the nations are ranked by UCI points, I believe. Right. And depending on that ranking, you get a certain amount of riders. That's right. Uh, so, right. So France itself has, so we're sort of skipping to the men's race now, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing in the, in the women's race. But France itself has uh, nine riders mm -hmm. in the race crazy 10 countries rank in the top 10 they get to enter 13 riders mm -hmm. like into the general classification of the uci worlds and eight get to start this race france gets one extra because they are the world they have the world champion band like rider and julian gotcha. then there are there are the next 10 teams have six start with six that's not one less that's two less riders mm -hmm. that's a lot and now, are they countries that necessarily have uh, people that might win? I'd say a couple of them, maybe. But I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's what you're saying. Some countries have more than others. Yeah, so not necessarily the most balanced. Um, it, it certainly favors those European teams like France, like Belgium. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Netherlands, Spain, Italy. Right. Yeah. And uh, the home team of Australia, amongst others. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, I think I can recall some years where America only had like three, four riders in the race. Yeah, they're in the second um, tier. They have six riders yeah, in the race, but you could, Canada only has four. We've got some great... We could have had a very strong team this year. United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a lot of our guys stayed home because right. um, they they've worked all... There's some really super dumb. It'd be great to see Brandon McNulty there. McNulty. Um, Magnus Sheffield Kuss, and Nielsen Pollock Sheffield. There. But yeah, no Kuss. Uh, and no... Um, Quinn Simmons uh, no, would have been no. a, a good worker. We, no, he would have been a good a worker. Fan, yeah, but I would have loved um, to laugh at his fucking crossed eyes. <laughs> you know, he would have tried to go in the break and yeah, for sure, um, for sure. But in any in any event, yeah, he could have chased down Remco. There oh. you go. Um, so yeah, like it is interesting. The team dynamics are very different. The racing is similar to, to classics, but not like one to one to classics. Mm -hmm. It is very. I've been excited about Worlds all year. Um, it has seemed, it has seemed like an interesting course. It's, it's interesting to see like the circuit, like they go around that final circuit, like 12 times, I think mm -hmm. like at the end. And for those of you that have done races that go around the same course more than once, whether it's like cross or even just like something more, you like learn different things about yourself and about the course as you continue to race the course. Right. So like some riders are really good at that. We'll mm -hmm. talk about one of them in a little bit, but like some riders like really excel at that and others, not so much. So that's another interesting dynamic. It is just, 
very different dynamics than we've been like so into for the course of the last what six eight months or whatever yeah yeah uh also i'll say when you're racing around a loop like that it is a lot easier to pull the plug uh we saw that in in yorkshire a couple of years ago because there were horrendous conditions freezing yep. rain horrible day gotta love england and people were just bailing every lap right um and as you mentioned with the women's race there was like 40 riders or so yeah. that dropped out and that's yeah. that's partially why when you keep going around, by your team bus yeah i've been in that situation I, you know i was in a race once where i uh double flatted or not double flatted but i hit a huge pothole on the, the first or second lap um had to get a wheel change couldn't catch back on to the peloton and i'm like i'm not just gonna ride solo for two more laps i'm getting yeah. off my bike at the finish yeah. line when i go around sure. so um it was happening recently in um montreal in the montreal race that happened a couple weeks ago. yeah because it, it, it very the montreal course was very similar to this course mm-hmm. um and yeah they're doing like lap they're doing like 12 to 15 laps at the end and you're dropped off the back and you're like I'm racing worlds in two weeks. I'm not putting, I'm not going to put in this race effort right now. Like let's mm-hmm. stop now and then reassess what that training plan is over the next two weeks. So I can come and, and, and kill it. Yeah. Like, you know, and may, maybe I have a long stretch hope for Peter Sagan. Cause that's kind of like, that's what happened to him in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So the men's race, do we have anything else to say? Do I have anything else to say about the women's race real quick? No, not really. So, okay. So yeah, Lada Kopecki she, from Belgium. She came in second. Sylvia Persico came in third. Uh, and then Liana Lippert was in fourth. And this podcast's uh, famous uh, podcast's favorite female rider, Cecily Utrecht Ludwig. Oh, Cecily. She came in fifth. Yeah. And she was in that, like, she was like really there, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's really nothing you can do to stop. It looked, it, I could not believe the smoothness and and so Annemiek van Vluen also like couldn't stand up the whole race. She does end up standing up maybe in the last 200 meters or so mm-hmm. to really put that final kick in. But like, and not to say that she is from someone that's known for standing up all the time, but because she had that energy in, injury, she had to race very differently. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it was great. I think everyone should just go and and watch it and watch the the crash too. Yeah, and I think we should brutal. just take a quick second here to uh, talk about women's cycling in general. Uh, we when we recorded our last episode about the men's Tour de France, we had hoped that we'd have time to get together and talk about the women's right. Tour de France. Uh, unfortunately, didn't end up happening. We had to go up to uh, Mount Greylock. Yeah, you went to uh, Iceland for an and- event, and then I went to Iceland right after, and right. just didn't end up happening. Unfortunately, however, it was exciting. Uh, Tour de Femmes was a, a huge success. Oh, I, I totally would say. agree. Um, yeah. The numbers that have come out about the viewership. Yes. Uh, in Europe and America right. were great. And even um, races following since in yeah. the past couple months, like have, have still been very popular with female, uh, female cycling. Yeah. And, uh, websites like Velo news said that they had, you know, increased engagement, uh, with yep. their audiences. Um, and yeah, uh, also just to circle back, Cecily Ujip Ludwig, our, one of our favorite riders yeah. in the Peloton, she won a stage of the tour. It was a fantastic it was stage yeah. the, the way she sprinted yeah. um blew all the other riders out of the water if you haven't seen that stage go watch the end of it yeah and watch her um, interview at her the interview end. just fantastic yeah she's um, just so great she's so, animated. so great she has no yeah. filter she's like dropping f-bombs and, yeah i think she says fuck twice <laughs> yeah it's on live it's, tv it's actually so. been happening more and more uh wout said it after montreal yeah and 
I don't know. I don't like necessarily follow up to see if these like broadcasts like GCN or whatever are like apologizing, but like, I mean, I don't know. I'm all for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, hopefully it leads to more longer women's like grand tours. Yeah. Right? And Zwift did, I think, extend their sponsorship of the race for, I think, at least the next two years. Great. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely going to have that next year, which is, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, the men's race, men's road race, um, starting, I don't know, 50-ish minutes. Oh, you know what I'm about. Starting that. in about half an hour. In about a half hour. This this ride is significantly longer, I'd say. It's 100 kilometers longer than the women's race at 266.9 kilometers. That's 165 miles. And 50 countries total are involved in this one, whereas the women's race was 20 countries total. Um, earlier, we talked about how we uh, the start and the finish. We obviously don't know how many have even started or finished this because it has not started or finished yet. And yeah, we sort of went over these other things I have written down here. There is a right-hand turn in the final kilometer, which I think should be like nice and, and interesting. Ooh, okay. And um, going into this, have you? I've watched a couple of videos like about the course. I've listened to a couple of podcasts. I don't wouldn't say I know the course too too well. I think mm. I will learn it uh, in the next. Oh boy, how much of this race am I going to get to watch? I'm very anxious about. Um, I had the women's race spoiled for me within five minutes of waking up this morning. Yeah. Like legitimately five. That's the algorithm knows me so well that it put Annemiek Van Vluten and cycling news (laughs) right at the top of Twitter. And all I wanted to do was check on the Celtics. And so it was unfortunate. I'm going to try to wake up early and catch the end of it. Hopefully it ends around 3 a.m. I think you're going to wake up 3 a.m. I'm going to try to wake up at 2 Wow. Watch the hour. Wow. Yeah. You should have just slept on your couch. You could <laughs> watch the hour and then go back to sleep for a little bit. And then hopefully we get to go for a bike ride tomorrow for donuts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything um, like more that you would like to talk about the course before we start talking about like favorite riders or our predictions or anything like that? No, I haven't, to be honest, I've been a little checked out on pro cycling yeah. um, since the tour. The Vuelta hasn't been as exciting. No, it wasn't hoped to be. No. Um, uh, so I haven't, you know, studied the course too much. I've been following a little bit of like the headlines and like some, you know, quotes and things like that that yeah. the writers have said. So um, happy to talk about the writers themselves. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about some of the favorites and some of like the team leaders. Right. We mentioned him mm-hmm. earlier, Julian Alaphilippe. He's the reigning champ. He rides for France. Um, a lot of crashes this year. Yeah. A lot of crashes. He crashed at Liege, Baston Liege, Strada Bianca. He crashed out of the Vuelta just a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe a month ago, tops. Yeah. You know, some people actually think that the rainbow jersey has a curse because there are people who've won it and then had terrible years afterwards. He's won it two Um, years in a row, though. Two years in a row. His first year was pretty good. He did crash out of of Flanders, I believe. Okay. uh, Because he was in a a break with Vanderpool and Wout. And he got clipped by a motorbike. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Clipped by the motorbike. Um, but yeah, rough year for Alaphilippe. Um, seems like he keeps uh, crashing, coming back, Only crashing. 41 days of racing this season. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot. No. Um, and so I think he said that he's not at his best. But the course suits him. It does. He is that kind of explosive swashbuckling kind of rider. Yes, um, he's very swashbuckling. Who can, Loves techno. Uh, would not be surprised to see him. Uh, I would not be surprised at all to see him win. Yeah. No. no. 
pull pull it out of the bag. If he's in good shape and he bounced mm-hmm. back from the crash in Vuelta, mm-hmm. he's had two or three solid weeks to like actually hone in on what this race is and and his the expectations of him. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I'm really looking forward to watching him. I really enjoy watching Olive Leap. I'm not a huge fan of the team that he races for, but I do like watching him. Mm-hmm. Next on my list would have been first on my list if there wasn't a reigning champ is Wout Van Aert racing for Belgium, right? He has once Milan San Remo, but interestingly enough, Wout Van Aert has participated in 16 one-day races and only has one win. Uh. One win in one day races. I wonder how many second places he has. He has a decent amount of second yeah. places. He's also won some great like two or three day or like week long events, right? Mm-hmm. But as far as like one day classics, which we're sort of comparing this to, mm-hmm. he's only won one. Not to say that he is um he is like insignificant because the next note I have here is he's a god against amongst men. Yeah, if yeah. you've listened to any of our uh pro cycling podcasts yeah. before, you know that John and I are both uh big Wout fanboys. Yeah, and he he skipped the TT this year to mm-hmm. focus on the road race championship. Yeah. Um Wout went for a training ride yesterday. Uh-huh. Or well, today for us, but yesterday for him mm-hmm. and the title of his Strava ride. Did you see what it was? No, I don't. I don't follow pro cyclists because it was oh. spoil. Shit gets spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well titled his ride discovery of the day, a date filled with peanut butter dipped in chocolate topped with sea salt. Magical. Wow. That does sound magical. Yeah. Well, run it by me one more time. A date filled with peanut butter a dipped date. in chocolate with sea salt on it. Exactly. Damn. Yeah. But, uh, this is a guy who's, you know, uh, the best cyclist in the world, yep. and he's just going for a little 34-mile ride at uh, uh, 19.3 miles per hour. Nice and, and easy. How much Stopping climbing? at a coffee shop and eating some date dates filled with peanut butter. Somewhere in Australia. <laughs> Somewhere in Australia. Damn. <laughs> wow, that sounds awesome. Indeed. Yeah, gotta love him. Wow, yeah. racing for Belgium. Also on the Belgian team, Remco Evenepoel. Mentioned him earlier. Won the Vuelta this year. Um, I forgot to write down his significant one-day wins. I really don't care for this guy. Mm-hmm. I wrote down here, fuck him and his Trump haircut. He has the exact same hairdo as Trump. Wow. It sucks. So if listeners aren't familiar with Remco, he was kind of touted as the golden boy of Belgium. So Yes, the next uh, Eddie Merckx. The next Eddie Merckx. Eddie Merckx is a Belgian cyclist from the 70s, considered the greatest in the world. Um, and Remco showed up at a world championships as a under 23 rider or junior uh, a couple of years ago. Yep. And he crashed early in the race, got back on his bike, passed the peloton, uh, went on a, a br- some crazy break and won by like, I don't know, 10 minutes or something ridiculous. And since then he was kind of hailed as like the next know, big, the thing. next big Belgian cyclist. Right. Um, going to be one of the greatest. And to be fair, his, oh, he's great. His record in one week stage races was fantastic. Yes. Um, he was on his way. He was in the lead group of, uh, um, uh, Il Lombardia. He's in the yep. lead group at Il Lombardia and yep. crashed over the side of a cliff. Thought he was, could have died or something, but he ended up with a horrible injury. Took him a better part of a year to, to come get back. back from that. Yeah. Looked a little shaky at first. He tried to race the Giro, wasn't able to finish. Uh, but then this year has kind of finally come good on his um, potential. He uh, won LB. Was it LBL? No. Where did he win this year? Well, he won the Vuelta. 
You won the vault, but, but he, he also won a one day a one day classic. Oh, I don't know. I'm I, not sure. to, I think it was Lee Age best on. Oh, Liege. okay, okay. I don't remember if I got that right. We're gonna checking pro cycling stats. Listeners, yes. hold on here. Yeah, hold on, please. Um, wow, the first thing when you Google Remco is not Remco Evanpool. That sucks. Also, quick fun fact: Remco is sponsored by Pizza Hut. Is he? Yep. How did he get that? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Uh, he won the Tour of Norway this year. No, One Day Classics 2022 National Time Trial Championship. He won San Sebastian this year. Uh, oh, and Liege Best on Liege. Yes, that's, wow. what, yeah, that's what I thought. Wow, good he won for him. Liege Best on Liege yeah. and a Grand Tour. So a classic, a monument, and a tour. Yes. Um, so Yeah, I mean, he's definitely no slouch, right? Mm-hmm. As I look at the stage races that he's won, like just a lot of different ones. One Day Classics, more than wow with his one. Um but that's the interesting thing. They race on the same team. Last year, it was bad. Ton of drama last year. Ton of drama. Um, Neither of them win. No. Remco is younger. You think that maybe he's going there to race for Wout. Mm-hmm. And he goes off on an attack. Belgium like Belgium takes takes care of the road, right? They're four abreast on the road, blocking the rest of the peloton for coming through, doing anything. Mm-hmm. Michael Matthews is pissed like, yeah. right on Wout's wheel. It was wild. Yeah, you... Uh, you also got the sense that there was some um, somebody wasn't quite following orders, right. uh, team orders there. Apparently, Remco skipped the debrief afterwards. Oh. Um, yeah, some, some, a lot of drama. I don't like him. A lot of drama. Um, but this year, they've presented a united front. They say that they're co-leaders. Yes. Um, which can, having you know two cards to play in a race like this can oh for sure be a huge advantage but it just it's gonna be really interesting to see you know who's gonna try to attack first right um and how it all plays out both guys that can go off the front Mm -hmm. what i would love to see happen is remco go off the front burn himself out while it sits in the peloton and can finish with the win at the sprint yeah good question as to who has a better sprint right um but you know. think Remco has a better sprint than Wout? No, I, I think Wout is, yeah. is the sprinter. Yeah. So I think that... But I think Remco could have a crazy attack mm-hmm. and just go off and like hold it. Right. I wouldn't He's be surprised so to see Remco try to go from like 30K out yeah. or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next on our list, I have Tade Pogaccia mm-hmm. racing for Slovenia. Not the best team. No Primos no. and no Mate Mohoric. That's a. Those are two big riders that could be racing on your team, and he, they're already down a few riders because I think Slovenia only has four or maybe six riders. Yeah, smaller country, so yeah. they're not going to have as many slots. Um, no, no Rog and no Mahork could play into. They have eight slots. Slovenia oh, well, has eight slots. Actually, I guess that makes sense because because um, because if it's UCI points, Hog and, and Roglic, right? Yeah, get some they have UCI points, points but. Yeah. Um, Bogacar being the only guy on his team or the only you know leader on his team uh, means that he won't, um, you know, he doesn't have to worry about those same kind of like co-leader dynamics that, right. that Wout and Remco will. Uh, we, we've seen Pogacar go for some kind of crazy long-range attacks in the past. Yes. Um, he's actually at times showed himself to... Uh, be willing to work for Roglic. Oh, for sure. Um, back in, I think, 2020, he, he was willing to do that. I don't know. Their relationship seems to have cooled since then. So had Roglic been there this year, I'm not sure if they would have uh, been on. Uh, Worked together. Work together. Or, right. But 
Maybe we'll have to wait till next year to find out. Pog is signed to UAE through 2027. Yeah. UAE is something else. UAE made some big moves. Uh, they recently picked up Yates. They did. Um, he's going to be a, the good a Yates. really important super domestique. Sorry, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell him apart. I don't know who's who. No. Um, Adam Yates is on Ineos <laughs> and Simon's on Bike Exchange. Right. Yeah. Which one won the Vuelta? Adam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I say that with very little confidence. <laughs> um, so yeah, corner. Pog has also won Liege, passed on Liege. He's won the Giro. He's won uh, uh, Lombardia. He's won Strada Bianca, and he won uh, Montreal this year. Mm-hmm. And his Montreal performance this year was fantastic. You, I, you can never count this guy out. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm aching for him to win, but I would not be surprised, and no one should be surprised if if Pog pulls out the win here. Yeah, the Montreal win is significant because it showed that he can actually out sprint Wout Van Aert, which yes. is crazy. Yes, to even think about. But um, and if if Pogacar does win, I'll say that just seeing somebody in the rainbow jersey potentially winning the Tour de France, absolutely having that just having that possibility, right. It just speaks to what a golden era of cycling we're in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. mean, I know I keep talking about this, but really it's, yeah, it's like something from the 1970s. It would be historic. It right. would be just right. Someone a winning beautiful this, thing. this race that's very similar to a one-day classic going on. Yeah. Because Pog's going to win the Tour again. Oh, definitely. He's 24. Definitely. He will win yeah. the Tour again. Yeah. Just a matter of when. Yeah, and a matter of what kind of course they unveil, which right. we'll get in November. Right. Um, that'll really determine, you know, who's yeah. going to favor. So, Next on my list, uh, Matthew Vanderpool, mm-hmm. racing for the Dutch, the Netherlands. Um, this is a great course for Vanderpool. Yeah. Right? Repeated, short, and steep climbs. And he has won his last three races that he's been involved in. He has won. Nice. So his form is on, and mm-hmm. I don't know that that I can just picture it now. There's that turn in the last half kilometer. It's a little like kick up after the turn. He takes that turn and he just goes, just explodes. Yeah, just absolutely. Explodes. Yeah. Well, to spend a little time on Vanderpool, he um, his form has really been in doubt this whole season. Yes. Uh, raced a shit tour. He raced a shit tour. He. Um, went to the Giro, won one stage, and then just you know tried to get in breaks every day, and, and had very little success. Yep. Um, the three way, the three races that he did win, uh, I would not say were significant races. No, no, um, not huge. But they're you know good stepping stones. But right. and he has won big races before. Yeah, yeah. To look at the kind of the bigger picture, we've talked a lot about how Rod Van Aert and Vanderpool have this rivalry. Right. But after the tour this year, I found myself thinking that Wow just kind of has this year blew Vanderpool himself from Vanderpool. out of the water for sure, um, and kind of made it look like he was on a, a whole another level. Absolutely. Whereas in the past, we were always comparing the two. Right. So I think Vanderpool needs a big win like this to yes. kind of elevate himself back into that top tier of riders right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, the way he hasn't really committed himself fully to road season or just to road riding um, kind of makes me question whether or not he's, he is going to go down as one of the greats or not. Was he the guy, um, did he say, I think it was him, he said he was going to do just mountain bikes in 2024 or yeah, 2025 or something? You know, he loves mountain biking. He loves cyclocross and stuff. Yeah. And um, not to say that's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's no. great that these guys We're not talking about it on this podcast, different, though. different stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, but in just to think of, you know, sort of in the, the road cycling hall of fame, I wonder 
where he's going to end up. Yeah, no, I agree. Still young, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's 27, so not as young as like Remco, Remco or, or even Pog. Yeah. But yeah, still young. Late 20s tends to be the peak a good for, time to for peak. riders. He yeah. recently said that he thinks he's getting too old. I recently read an interview with him, yeah. and he said, like, if he doesn't win this world, he's worried that he's getting too old to like win races. Could like be. This. I mean, look at Peter Sagan. You know, yeah, kind of sure. once he was in his into his thirties, he sort of declined. Sagan's a different story because I don't think he has the work ethic that a lot of these young kids do. But right. um, in any event, uh, yeah, totally agree. Like, uh, yeah. So, a couple more I think I have as mm-hmm. as people that I would like to mention. Um, so we, I feel like we can skip over Nielsen Palace. We mentioned him earlier. American team, not that strong. Mm-hmm. If Nielsen Palace wins, I'll be so surprised. Yeah. There's like no way in hell. I love him. I love talking about him, but there's well, no way. I want to totally count him out. Okay. I mean, he, you know, we've seen flashes of oh, him for being sure. great at the tour. Yeah. And um, you never know. The, the, the thing about a one-day race is... Uh, in some respects, anybody could win. Right. Um, cycling has your day. Any you, cycling you really race has in. that potential for, for sure. chaos can happen. There could be a magpie attack. Uh, That's right. That We're disrupts in the whole race. There have been magpie attacks. There was a seagull mm-hmm. in the U- under 23 time trial. Yeah. yeah. Just in case listeners are confused by what we're talking about, magpies are a bird that uh, That's right. this time of year, is, it's their breeding season in Australia and they get very territorial mm-hmm. and will attack cyclists that go by their nests. Yeah. There are hundreds of videos on YouTube of, of people on bikes casually riding around Australia this time of year being attacked by beautiful very smart birds they're like very smart birds right they're kind of like ravens Mm -hmm. they bring people like treats and and if you like give them a thing they'll like bring you things back they're very smart yeah they can kind of almost like talk like a parrot not like but they communicate yeah yeah Yeah. and they hopefully Mm -hmm. go after remco's shit haircut yeah we've seen there have been livestock caused you know dogs Yes. Cows, things like that, causing yeah. crashes in, in pro races before. You never know. A bird could fly into somebody's wheel and a lot of guys I know go it's down. a little bit late because the race technically starts in like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But do you think we can get Thibaut Pino to bring his goats and like, oh my God. like, you know, have a livestock problem? You never know. Yeah, that'd be great. A couple other people sort of mentioned him earlier. Uh, Michael Matthews from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Australian. This is in Australia. Maybe that's the extra push that he needs. He's a guy, I wouldn't say he's famous for coming in second, but he comes in second like kind of a lot, second or third. He podiums a lot, but doesn't necessarily win a lot. Yeah. Not that he isn't a, a great rider, but um, he has had a really good year. He has a very strong sprint, and um, he had a really hard stage win at the Tour this year. He came second in Quebec, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Matthews uh, takes the win. Yeah, he's come close at other world championships. Yep. Um, people think that he does have that potential like we just said anything can happen yeah um maybe it's cause, just because he's shitting in toilets that uh flush the opposite direction yeah he's really gonna be feeling good it's got to be a little home field advantage for you yeah for sure um, and you know he needs a kind of big win to to cap his career because he has been kind of uh, always a little bit overshadowed by peter sagan at first and yeah. now overshadowed by guys like by these van Hart guys. and, yeah, and yeah. vanderpool so yeah. um i mm, would not be that stoked on him winning. Uh, I wouldn't be stoked on him winning. But, no, he's no. maybe the least exciting person that I've mentioned. Sure. And then this next guy is probably my second most excited. Hell yeah! Is Biniam Germain? Hell yeah! Racing for Eritrea has had a great season and is like I said, if 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 Wout for some reason wasn't starting, 
I'd be Benny all day. I would love to see someone from Africa wearing the world champion jersey. It would be incredible. Yeah. We've seen Gourmet. A black guy from Africa, not friggin' Chris Froome yeah. or some shit. Yeah. yeah. We've seen Gourmet actually beat Vanderpool yes. in, a, in a head-to-head sprint yeah. in, the, in the Giro this year. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I think that inclusivity in sport is something that uh, we both care a lot about. Yeah. Um, it, you've made it one of the central you know, tenants of the, the club that we're in. Um, and, you know, cycling should be for everyone. It, it traditionally has been a very Eurocentric uh, sport. And um, it's just great to see, uh, like you said, a rider yeah. from Africa being yeah. able to compete in these races. And I think more, like you're seeing more and more um, riders that aren't white coming to prominence. And, mm-hmm. and not even like, I don't, I mean, like, I don't, like not even like white adjacent. You know, like not even like South America, but like it's going to be nice to see. There are a lot of Asian countries participating in this race because mm-hmm. it's in it's in that part of the world in Oceania, and they might not be like the strongest teams, but some of these fifty teams are like a good amount of them are are like from Asian countries, and I'm excited to like learn about these new riders, and you know, it'd be great that they could be like elevated in the way that Binium has been elevated, mm-hmm. and just like come to the forefront of this, like because you know what better way to get like the best cream of the crop of cyclists than like going throughout the whole world instead of just like these specific white centric places of the world, right? Like let's yeah. get these cyclists like from anywhere and just have like it be like a real world championship. Absolutely. Yeah. Not like the world series of baseball where it's just like, look, I like baseball just fine, but like <laughs> you can't call it the world series. It's just like teams from Baltimore and Pittsburgh. <laughs> it sucks. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are sort of like the main riders. I don't know. Is there anyone do you feel like we missed? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Um, I'll think about it a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sure like once we get going, like mm-hmm. um, I have I have one prediction, and it's that Welko's off the front at with ten with ten kilometers in ten kilometers into wow. the race, wow, he goes wow. off the front and wins. Well, yeah, that'd that's be not incredible. Typically, uh, you see a group of um, like riders from like Ireland and, yes. and other countries their go out and yeah. get maybe like the Peloton give these guys like an eight minute lead for the first half of the race right. and then start reeling them it's back in. Race. But very long. Yeah. Typically world championships are quite long. 165 uh, Which miles. is why we might have to wake up at three in the morning to watch the finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 50 different teams. Really interesting. Um, any other things or like predictions or, I mean, we sort of went over who we want to win or like what we think might happen. Anything else you want to say before we stop down for a second and, and get the, get the race on and hopefully listen to Adam Blythe. I don't know, maybe make fun of Remco a little bit. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm very excited. Uh, you know, this is the last sec or well, in some ways, it's not really the last. Yeah. We have, we still got Lombardia coming up, but, yeah. This is kind of the biggest one. It's weird that it's not at the end. No, yeah. Isn't that weird? Shouldn't it be at the end? The whole pro cycling calendar is weird. I mean, it is. It actually starts in January in Australia and, and goes. That's right. And then ends in Japan in October. Oh, Does actually, it? No, is there they, one in Japan? There after? used to be the Japan Cup that I think was a UCI race. I don't know if it is there anymore. Oh, okay. COVID might have killed it. But. If so, no matter who wins mm-hmm. tonight, mm-hmm. who wears rainbows at Lombardia? The new guy. Oh, Philippe? No, the new guy does. Yeah, it starts now. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. That's so strange. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just such an interesting race. I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad that we're watching it and talking about it. It is just like so strange. Um, all right, we'll be back in a little bit watching the 2022 Men's World Road Racing Championships. Okay, we are back. The race has started. There's 263 kilometers to go. And um, not only are we watching it, but we're also following the live official race start. Attacks have started immediately. More and more riders are jumping off the front. That's the that's what that's the news we have so far. Yeah. How are you doing? Has your is your heart rate elevated? It is a little bit actually. Should I, my, yeah. should I track my heart rate for this? Maybe start an activity on Whoop and see what my heart rate's like. John and I are trying to figure out who the hell these people are. Uh, yeah, you can't. <laughs> it sucks. It's really hard to tell. If you know people's helmets, that's helpful. I did spot Remco because I recognized. I'm pretty sure he's wearing a red specialized uh, Prevail. So, because he won the Velta. We got a New Zealand rider on the front right now. Actually, I love that kit. New oh, Zealand, the, great kit. And actually, that is a great kit. Um, it was the same kit, uh, very similar to the Quebeca ASOS kit a mm-hmm. little while ago. And I think ASOS, ASOS is what I meant to say. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, I think ASOS makes that kit. I'm really curious as to what teams and, and even nationalities wear like what kits, you know? I'm, I consider myself oh. a bit of a gear nerd, okay? Yeah. Sometimes I'm a gear nerd. I want to know what they're riding. I want to know what they're wearing. We don't get that as much as I'd like. No, but same as the pro teams. I mean, these countries just have contracts with the different right. sponsors and vendors. That's true. Uh, Belgian's team kit is like very classic blue uh, with the Belgian flag across it. Yeah. But they've got like lots of uh, advertisements on it now. Lots of little really? advertisements on it. Yeah, if you look closely... Uh, let's see if I can pull up a picture here so our listeners can see it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so like the Belgian one is is pretty obvious. I think the Great Britain jersey is pretty obvious. Netherlands, some of them are not obvious. Like Homeboy's coming through with green sleeves and like yellow is like, is he, is he Ireland? I don't know. Oh, that's Australia in the, in the green and in yellow? The green and gold. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Just like their flag, huh? Not a great kit either. Weird colors. Not great kits here. We're watching on GCN, a.k.a. Eurosport. Really beautiful area. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, we've been starting off riding on the cliffs here. The beach. The waves are crashing. Stop showing me the waves. That's the thing about a race this long is you're going to see a lot of waves. You're going to see a lot of shots of Sydney, which is not even where they're racing. Here we're seeing Sydney once again, the Sydney Opera House. Um, they've shown this same exact shot like dozens of times during the, during the coverage over the past week. And it's the same shot too. It's not like a live shot. It's just like the same shot with the same boats going under the bridge. And yeah, a lot of that in cycling, we're not going to get a lot of old European buildings because we're not in old Europe. We're in the colonized country (laughs) of Australia, heavily colonized. 260 kilometers to go. Man, I'm going to sleep six hours before the end of this race. Wild. Yeah. Right? How long they think they think it's going to end at like 3 or 3.30 a.m., right? Yep. Yeah. Still no one off the front. It's pretty yeah, the, pretty compact still. Basically fighting for the brakes, so we see little accelerations, guys trying to get off and form a group. 50 but, countries um, represented? How many riders? 250? It's a lot. We haven't seen any magpies yet. 
Yeah. No, no, no watch for magpies here. What the hell is this? A pool? There's one person swimming in a pool? <laughs> oh, whoa. The helicopter's coming in. Just waving at the helicopter. What is this little, little pond thing? <gasps> Man, you ever been to Australia? No, I've been to New Zealand, not Australia. You've been to New Zealand? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. When? Uh, 2019. What the? Right before COVID, yeah. Went mountain biking on the Queen Charlotte track. What the hell? What? Gorgeous. Who's Queen Charlotte? I don't know. Um, Enough talk about the Queen. <laughs> uh, freaking colonizers. Speaking of colonizers. Um, that's cool. So like right before, so like before the world shut down, you were in New Zealand. Yep, pretty much. For how long? Uh, three weeks. And this is probably a question you got a lot, but how long's the flight? Ooh. Uh, well, did you fly to LA and then did you fly there? Yeah, flew to LA and then there. I don't remember. It was it's like an eight or nine hour flight from LA to New Zealand. Yeah, so it's like a six hour flight. Maybe to longer. LA. Yeah. Wow. Um, you lose sense of all time because sure on the way there you. So we left on December thirtieth and yeah. we landed on January first. I did not experience. December. Wait, you didn't experience New Year's Eve? 2019. It just didn't happen for me. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. None. And then on the way back, I lived the same day twice. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you still... Wow. Okay. So you didn't really time travel, but... You cross the international date line and it, wow. it switches over. And December 31st, 2019. Yeah. Going into 2020. Wow. So we got this guy from Slovakia again trying to get off the front. I forgot we were watching a race. I was so interested in your trip to New Zealand. <laughs> What we're seeing this we're seeing this pool pond thing again? No, it's a different one. This is very interesting. I don't know what's going on here. Um, was did New Zealand look like this at all? Tropical? It it's is kind of tropical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really get the Lord of the Rings vibes like you'd expect. That was the next thing I was going to ask. It's more tropical. It's more tropical than because yeah. Lord of the Rings does seem very like rolling hills green and lush but not necessarily palm trees mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow um yeah for me like i've been to england you go up to the north in the lake district that looks like lord of the rings oh, okay yeah, yeah foggy mm -hmm. rolling hills did you leave but, when you left did you have an accent no what fuck you know, if know you talk like you were a kiwi <laughs> you know that's what they call themselves right kiwis yes yeah you left you yeah. had an accent you know oh good eye mate I'm not going to do any more Australian or oceanic <laughs> uh, accents during the podcast, but I would be very tempted to like not to not make fun of. I'd be very tempted to make fun of their uh, voices, not make fun of, poke fun at. Okay, yeah, make fun of. Oh wow, there's a look. That's the same bike that I have sitting right here in the living room. Wow, what country is that? Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan. is riding. Look, yep. Wow, with rim brakes. So we're getting some rim brakes, a lot of mm -hmm. disc brakes here. Who we got off the back? Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Yep. Kazakhstan. Another Kazakhstan. Japan right in front. Like so, this is like the back of the group, I guess. Yeah, we pretty much had helicopter shots right up until now. Finally, we got to look inside the peloton a little bit. I think that was the oldest competitor from Uzbekistan, forty years old, on one hundred and six days. Uh -huh. The pace is extremely fast. There are lots of gaps in the peloton, but maybe the group is coming back together. I will really want to know who types this up for cyclingnews.com because it sounds like it's auto-generated, but it can't be. There's not some robot no, there's watching, somebody watching it. There's someone watching it. Showing us a lot of beaches, a lot of waves crashing in sand. So we're not going to see any 
kangaroo attacks, unfortunately. Maybe magpie attacks, but probably no kangaroos. It doesn't look like kangaroo part of the country. Anything can happen. Slash continent. Wow. Imagine being that powerful that you're a country on a continent. Remember learning that when you were a kid and you were like, what? (laughs) So... um for the listeners' sake, we should probably talk about cycling a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, Keegan Swenson picked to the American team. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who that is. You, oh, you don't know who that is? So no. Keegan Swenson uh, is like uh, in the lead of the uh, um, Lifetime Grand Prix series right oh. now. Oh, wow! He's a gravel racer. He's the wow. best gravel racer in the country. Oh, uh, I did hear about biker. this. I didn't recognize the name, but I yeah. did hear about this. And yes. so because so many American riders weren't able to either make it to Australia or, or opted not to participate, yeah. uh, we're sending Keegan. Um, and Spirit of Gravel. I don't, yeah, Spirit of Gravel is at the World Championships right now. And someone at the World Championships is going to be at the uh, the World Gravel Championships in October, Peter Sagan. Peter Sagan. Did you hear why? Why? Get to give the people what he want, what they want. That's what he said. Hell yeah! Give the people what I they like want. That. I like that. that. So yeah, there is a couple of there's like a group of four off the front, and then just behind them by a few seconds, there's a group of ten or so. Oh, someone's bridging between the two. It looks like this group of like maybe twelve. I don't know, maybe a little bit less yeah. might come together. Yeah, a lot of riders want to be in the break right now, and Peloton doesn't want to let a huge group go up the road because that's harder to control. You know, they want like a nice like or a five-man break up there. Yeah. They don't want a 20-man break, which is what's trying to happen right now. So, um, I don't know. All year we've had crazy racing where uh, Peloton does not want to let a break get established. So, I would love to see them keep it in and keep it fast. That means I'm going to have to wake up a half hour earlier so I don't miss the end. Who knows? Um, I'm just going to keep my iPad next to my bed playing. Yeah. (laughs) I am. I'm sure your wife will love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll turn the brightness down. I'm sure. How do I figure this out? Volume's down, definitely, right? Volume's down. I'm not going to keep the volume up. That'll that'll bother me. But if I keep it right there, maybe turned away with the brightness down, and then, like, because I'll wake up to, like, use the restroom in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know? I'm a guy that drinks a lot of water during the day. I'm going to have to wake up to pee. I'm very focused on hydration because of how much I ride my bike. I wake up to pee. That's a positive and I get to check up on what's happening with 120K to go. What do you think? It's not a bad idea. Hmm. Hmm, I'll probably do it. I'm going to wake up at I'm gonna wake up at 2 and record by myself. Okay. Just sitting here, <laughs> tired, with like eight-minute gaps between <laughs> me saying anything. Oh, that would be terrible. Well, maybe be standing on your couch screaming. I will be. I can't wait. <laughs> In six hours from now, or however long it is, to be standing up, pacing in this room with my hands on my head. I, I guarantee it. I've heard it's a rather technical course. I don't know what makes it technical. Not like more than just the turn in the last kilometer that I talked about. Um, but we are seeing a couple rotaries. Some riders are going right over the median of mm-hmm. these, like, uh, these traffic circles. Yeah, I mean, it does look, I mean, fairly windy roads. We're right along the coast here in this cliff, so I think that does make for um, some probably fast descents, uh, some twisty descents. I love the updates from Cycling News. It looks like a big group of riders is finally getting some distance. Maybe about 10, question mark? Is this what you look at when you're working? Is this what you watch? I'll check it, yeah. Wow, that rules. I kind (laughs) of like it. It sounds like it's a robot, but we know it's not. 
All right, so Belgium controlling a little bit on the front. I don't recognize. Okay, here we go. A couple of riders going off the front of the group trying to bridge. There's a 22-second oh, gap. This, pel this peloton is not going to let the break go right now. No. Someone else going off the front. Belgium up the front there controlling the pace a little bit. Euro Sagan. Peter's brother. Oh. There's an American up there in the break. Wait, really? Where's where's their kit? Uh, he's up there. Is it Stars the and Stripes? Yeah, yeah. I saw someone selling a uh, Stars and Stripes Cannondale Super X. Oh, wow. Like they were a mm -hmm. cyclocross like, champion. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, it looked cool. But I would never, you can't ride a world champion bike. I mean, a country champion bike, well, like a national champion bike. Yeah, I don't know. You think you can? You think it's different than wearing a jersey? I mean, I don't know. Would you wear a rainbow band jersey? No, 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 no. Yeah, you can't do that, no. right? Yeah, but the it's just a paint scheme on a bike. It's not a jersey. True. Um, it has his name on it. Would you take the name off? Yeah. You can have yeah, his name on the top, too. Probably, you know? yeah, sticker. Yeah. yeah. Um, but EF uh, does typically sell their Cannondales at the end of every yeah. season. Yeah. Um, would you ride a, uh, one of those? Which ones? Any of them. Not one that was like specifically world champion. Like sure, sure. if there was a world champion Cal Good, even though you ride a 58 and I ride a 54, I don't think I'd wear it. Mm -hmm. But would I ride one of the Palace Raffle ones? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Would you? I would definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, but even just one of the generic ones, probably yeah. Yeah, actually not a bad deal. Technically, my look is a team bike. Mm -hmm. It was a team bike from a team that like raced in like the tour of Amgen, like as a support bike. Awesome. And some guy sold it at the end of the season yeah. and I bought it from the guy. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, sure. I mean, and those bikes are like sick looking. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I've seen people trying to sell pro bikes like on like Facebook Marketplace and stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, they're always trying to get more money because it was like Tyler Hamilton's bike. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, cool. Who is that? We got to figure out who that American is. I don't know. 20 second gap. Uh, we'll have some names here in just a second. Our, our analysis, our analysts are on it. They should have some names here in just a second. 12 riders in the front. Wow, Eritrea has six riders, actually. I'm impressed. Yeah, hell yeah. Benny's getting them points. Yeah. I do not see an American listed, not to burst your bubble, I do not see an American listed here on Pro Cycling Stats. Maybe he's in the second group then. In the first group. Slovakia, only four riders. Two of them are Sagans. Yep. Peter and his brother. There's actually uh, Nairo Quintana has a brother in the peloton. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Two riders over 40 in the peloton. And I want to say there's another Nibali, but I could be wrong. Of the of the 12 riders listed, 11 riders listed here, maybe the 12th is that American. Uh, the only name that I recognize is, is Yuri Sagan. I think that's how you say it. Yuri? Yurish? Jura. Yurash. Jura. I don't know. Those surfboards, classic Australia spelling. Wow. UCI 22 with surfboards. And there's some mountain bikes. No, maybe they're not. Maybe they're road bikes. Oh, Worlds are coming to uh, Montreal in two years. Hell yeah. We're going. We are going. Two or three years, right? 2026, 2026. Maybe. That's four years. Four years. But uh, we 
Are we going to bike to Montreal? Oh, come on, dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? What kind of question is that? Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll map it on Strava right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to map it on Strava real quick. Let's just do the opposite um, of the VTXL. That would get us... Yeah, that would get us to the border. Gets you to the border. Yeah. To ride from here. Imagine riding to the border and they're like, you can't come in. <laughs> like, what? I need to go see. Turn around. I need to go see Tati Pagacha win worlds for the fourth year in a row. <laughs> yeah, I, he would, he can easily win today. It's funny to say today, even though I'm going to sleep in between now and it's really wild. That's how long. I've spent a long time on the bike. Technically, right? he could win tomorrow for us, uh, but it's today for them yeah yeah it's crazy i'm gonna go to i'm gonna get a decent night's sleep not all of the sleep i need but i'm gonna get a decent night's sleep and they're still gonna be riding their bikes yeah i'm ashamed i don't recognize all these flags but there's definitely an aussie up there someone from brazil someone from switzerland slovakia a couple of slovakian riders um yeah in the front group of 11 wow Peter's really, Peter Sagan's really putting his domestiques to work early here. That's half of his team. Korean rider off the back here. Well, not off the back. Coming back on. Oh, we got riders stopping for nature breaks. Which, Already. Which means the, uh, we may have finally let the break get established. I love to see riders get mad at other riders. I love Ooh. to see like a little bickering in the peloton. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, how do you feel about the uh, Roglic drama? Oh, with the um. Yeah. So if listeners don't, yes. don't know, Roglic crashed out of the Vuelta right. a couple of days after abandoning the race. He like published this letter, basically where he accused uh, Fred Wright of uh, improper. Yeah. Uh, racing and causing the crash. I don't think it was a good look on Primos. No. Uh, and I hate to say it. Yeah, he kind of came out for worse in the press, I think. Yes. He kind of got mocked yeah. a little bit. Oh, it's McGill is the American writer. Oh, up okay. There. Okay, cool. Um, wow. But yeah. You have more. Oh, okay, wow. We're finally getting the list here from Cycling News. Yeah, Scott McGill from the USA. Never heard of him. It's no offense. Um, but yeah, it didn't really look good the way it all came about. There was one angle that really made it seem that Fred Wright was in the wrong. Then mm -hmm. I saw a couple other angles that made me question my initial analysis. Mm -hmm. um, and then I really didn't like the way that Roglic responded because Fred Wright really was like pretty chill about it. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a good look. Yeah, I mean... Having been in races uh, where there have been crashes and stuff, like I feel like riders are always want to blame the other person. But for sure, um, you know, some people will tell you that you know crashes are going to happen no matter what in a race. Uh, okay, that doesn't mean there isn't someone true. to blame. But there's also like other group will say that like there's a proper way of racing your bike, um, like in crit races, not passing on the corners, passing yep. when you're pedaling, um, and. Uh, so I don't know that, that debate will always be is there. That, I think. Is that like an unwritten rule or is that something that they teach you if you like learn how to race crits? That's an interesting thing, right? I've never yeah. raced a crit myself. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have. I know that like P 
people have gotten into racing bikes more over the past two or three years because mm-hmm. of COVID. People were spending more time on their bikes. And I, I have heard from people that race crits locally that like more amateurs were showing up mm-hmm. and weren't necessarily knowing what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, there are some training series, but yeah, how do you learn that mm-hmm. stuff? Well, right. When I started racing, you had to do 10 races as a Cat 5. Yeah. Uh, before you could become a Cat 4. Yeah. And they changed that actually, that now basically anybody can select to Cat 4 if they want. Anybody can skip Cat 5. Yeah. Um, which I think most people do. And uh, uh, it's kind of eliminated the Cat 5 field entirely, which race organizers, to be fair, you know, putting on all those different fields, costing them more money. So by kind of eliminating the Cat 5 field effectively, it removed a barrier for entry for a lot of novice riders, but also made it more affordable for race organizers. Um, but yeah, I could see how people would think that... Um, Here's Joseph know, Paulus on his um, beautiful Cannondale. That is a nice Cannondale. Um, yeah, I'd so, love to own a Cannondale someday. I don't know. You ever owned one? No. Uh, thinking about... Uh, Getting a Candle gravel bike, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's in the running. Yeah. But um, I don't know if I ever told you, my grandparents used to own a dairy farm in Connecticut. And after my grandfather passed away, my grandmother was selling the land and uh, Candle made them an offer on that property. What? Yeah. To have like a, like a factory there? Yeah. Wow. Uh, this was being connected back in the 1980s, early 80s, maybe. Yeah. Did they ever have a factory in Connecticut? No, I think they moved someplace else. Where are else. they? Are they in Texas? Um, well, I think they have a couple of factories now. But, yeah, sure. Um, but that's my Cannondale story. He's sticking to it. No, I think Cannondales are nice. I'd love to own one. Especially one of those pretty paint jobs that EF puts together. 50-second gap. Breakaway with uh, 243K to go. And still two riders trapped in the middle trying to bridge up. <laughs> Pro Cycling Stats gives you the funniest stuff. They're like the riders uh, in age, uh, the riders age in group one. Think of all of our riders that are in group one. Only two of them in their 30s. Really makes you feel old. And um, competitors sorted by most victories this season. Tadej Pogacar and Remco Evenepoel both tie with 14 victories this year. Wow. Wout has nine. Ethan Hader has six. Alexander Kristoff with five in fifth place. Sergio Hagida, Matthew Vanderpool also have five. Wow. Kristoff Laporte. Love to see him win today. That'll never happen for the French team, but that'd be interesting. I wonder if he's their second. Uh, I think so. Backup. Yeah. I, w- I would assume so. There's that 12th rider. They were Pro Cycling Stats was leaving out Scott McGill. They couldn't find out who the heck he was. Hmm. He's 24 years old. Oh, wow. I wish it would say where he was from in the United States. I guess they don't really care. Not so ethnocentric as me. Hmm. Wow, you can link right to his freaking Strava? Nice. Oh, he's from Maryland. Dang, he's a verified athlete. Who did, did he enter that, you think? Imagine if that's his like his choice for bio. Maybe. It's like I put www.itsjustahill.com and he puts <laughs> verified athlete. <laughs> okay, Scott. 
Well, I will say I'm very impressed by Pro Cycling Stats. It linked really easily linked right to his page and then to his Strava, his Instagram, and another another page. They're just naming all the favorites that we named earlier. Yep. I don't think we missed anyone. I'm really looking at the list right now to see if there's anybody else uh, we want to talk about here. Latvia on our screen, New Zealand on our screen. There's Scott McGill. So, yeah, there are three different groups now. The lead group is out front with 241K to go and a minute and nine seconds on the group behind them. And then the group behind them is a minute 51 behind the lead group. So basically about a minute split. And the chase group, the group in the middle, consists of two people. That's, it's wild to me. That's like a that, that guy racing in the world championships is on like a bike from 2018. Wow. Yeah. Maybe 2019. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be a huge disparity uh, yeah, between, between the different countries. countries right? The budget, yeah. And Some countries like couldn't afford to like get people visas and stuff. Yeah, I mean, Lawson Craddock uh, had trouble with his visa getting to Australia. He got it. When did he? He got it, but it was after the flight left. Yeah, after his flight was supposed to leave. So. Yeah. They couldn't get him on the next flight. <sighs> I think it was just, like four days I ago, think wasn't really it? Really want to go. It was like oh, I forgot yeah. to file my visa paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't listen to me. I'm not a cycling journalist. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know why you wouldn't want to go. It'd be fun to race, especially because he's friends with Nielsen Palace, being former teammates. Right, right. I mean, maybe they're friends. Maybe they're not. I don't know their personal lives, but they were former teammates, right? Yeah, they're both on EF together at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think Craddock's <laughs> on biking change now, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Oh, we got an interview with oh, Sagan here. Got to listen to Sagan. Hey, Peter, uh, it seems like you are really popular here too. Sorry. Uh, it seems like you are really popular here too. The crowds are cheering for you. Oh yeah, that's very nice. You had an- uh, it was uh, always nice to be here. I started a couple of times in uh, Tour de Wander, and it was uh, always, you know, amazing uh, crowd, and uh, I very appreciate it here in Australia. When did you arrive and how did you train for today? Arrived like 10 days ago. Yeah. Directly after Canada, we came here and uh, well, I trained as uh, like always, as uh, usual before a uh, world championship. Do you feel like you you could be a first time world champion today? Do you think you have the shape? Do you think it's a course for you? Well, you know, you never know before race that uh, everything is possible. That's important thing in uh, your mindset should be positive, and uh, we will see during the race. What kind of race do you expect? A hard race. And what we saw on the previous races gave you some tips of how it could unfold today. Thank you. Grazie, Abby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you see, I have already good luck. <laughs> And um, is it true that it's in your mind that if you win the first time today, you might retire after? Well, that uh, we're going to discuss later. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so we just watched a Sagan interview. And someone dropped his bike? No, I think it's... Maybe, I don't know what happened. Or someone dropped a bike like next to him like, or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like, oh, maybe the mechanic was just giving him his bike, yeah. But he turned to the side and he just went, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what 
What do you think the race is going to be like? The race is hot. I love, oh man, he's so good. Yeah. I hope he goes into like, I hope he becomes like a cycling analyst. Because That'd be hilarious. His voice is just amazing. And I, yeah, I just love everything he has yeah. to say. It would be really funny if Sagan goes and wins the Gravel World Championships and then decides to retire. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. He um, he joked, or I don't know if he joked or how serious he was, but he did say something to the effect that if he were to win the World Championship this year, that he would retire. Yeah. Um, which imagine yeah. if he won and he just dropped, he just dropped the mic. Hilarious. I'm done. One big one. One more big one, and he's out. He's won three times before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could be wrong here. I don't think anybody's ever won four world championships. Hmm. Let's find out. I'm sure not many people have won three times. No, again, the nature of it being just a one-day race. Uh... Yeah, a uh, few people have won three times, including Peter Sagan, Eddie Merckx, Oscar Freire from Spain, Vic, Rick Van Steenbergen from Belgium, and Alfredo Binda from Italy. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Nobody's ever won it four times. Alfredo so. Binda was actually the first person to win, too. He has well, he won three times. This year is the 89th edition of this road race. 89th mm-hmm. edition. Oh, great. We have audio, but not video again. Classic. Okay, so quick update. Matthew Vanderpool has abandoned the race. There's not there's still more than 230 kilometers to go. And rumor has it, this is a a broad rumor, but he beat up a child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what so basically if you read between the lines on the news reports, that's what it sounds like. Some children He tried to go to bed early, kids <laughs> knocked on his door. And he was not happy. He yelled at them and one of the girls injured her hand. Yeah. So and he was arrested. The police were called on him. He was arrested. And he wasn't back into his room until 4 a.m. Got no sleep last night and yep. abandoned on the first lap, um, which actually we talked about yeah. in the How previous show. How easy to abandon. It's just easy because you're just like, well, there's the, the look at all those troop waffles. Look at all the cool Dutch stuff over yeah, there. Whatever they eat in Australia. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, Cycling Tips has this story. Cycling News has it now and uh, the North Carolina website or whatever that I found. So, yeah, uh, quote from Vanderpool. I wasn't back in my room until 4 o'clock talking a.m. That's certainly not ideal. Not good. Not ideal for your season either, Vanderpool. No, you've had a shit year and WoW is way better than you. Um, And, yeah, I jokingly said now Taco Vanderhorn can be the team lead for the Dutch. Taco, not a bad outside pick. No, that'd be great. I'd love to see Taco, even though Baco Malama, Malama is on that team too. So it'd be just a lot of good riders on that team, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got Pog on the screen. 230 kilometers to go. He looks to be wearing a slightly different helmet, and I don't know how much hair can stick out of the top of that, and that could be a problem for Pog. We know he needs hair out of the top of the helmet. Also, to win. the Slovenian team kit is probably one of the ugliest, not the ugliest in the Peloton, I'd say. It is It is ugly. I will say they're easy to spot, which is nice because there is a lot of blue and there's a lot of red in there, and it's hard to tell the different teams. Um, I like this Rwanda kit. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, we see the Belgian kit there on the right. See all the uh, adverts? Yep. Just plastered oh, all over yeah, the plastered. sleeves. While it's right in the center of the group here with the Red Bull helmet on. Yeah, ads on the sleeves and it's, on the chest. It kind of looks like they just got stickered. Like somebody just slapped stickers yeah. all over their kit. Kind of messy. Yeah. But yeah, look at this top down. A lot of white with stripes, blue with stripes. Well, we got stripes going up and down. We got stripes going side to side. French rider dancing off the front of the peloton here. Dancing. It must be Julian Alaphilippe. He's I got almost, techno. I almost thought it was for a second, techno but playing it seems a little ears. early for that. I also don't think Alaphilippe will be riding a lot here. He should be riding a Specialized, so I don't good think call, that's it. Or call. that's a Pinarello, but it's definitely not Alaphilippe. Pavel Sivakov. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sivakov. French team is good. Yeah, Sivakov actually... Um, Bardet, has yeah. a dual citizenship of um, Russia and France. Oh, um, always wanted to be on the French team, but they wouldn't take him for a couple of years. So he'd ride for Russia instead. Um, but I think maybe so he rude of them. He might have finally. I don't know if he renounced his Russian citizenship or what. Really? But uh, we could double. We, we should fact check that because but, Russia is not good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's this one guy off the back. He had to switch out for a neutral car, a neutral bike from the Shimano car, and he is not enjoying it. He does not enjoying the saddle position. He thinks he has a flat in the back. He's like jamming on his rims. Poor guy. Yes, uh, Pavel Sivakov, no longer a Russian citizen. Officially switched uh, from Russia to France. Wow, uh, so that was something he wanted to do for a long time. Races for the Ineos Grenadiers, correct? Correct. Yeah. That makes sense, Pinarello. Um, all right. Well, hopefully, we get more news on um, Matthew Vanderpool. Maybe he's injured a couple more kids by the time we start recording again. But yeah, we'll pause again for a second. All right, we're back, but not for long. Uh, it's getting late, and we're gonna ride tomorrow. So we're gonna get some sleep. And maybe I'll wake up before the end. Yeah. We watched the first 40K. Yeah. Uh, we were here to break the news about Matthew Vanderpool. Yes. Uh, we apologize to the child. We don't apologize to Vanderpool. Um, this is a pseudo comedy podcast, so he can relax. But yeah, I mean, it's been pretty, ex it's been decently exciting. Yeah. I've been impressed with the course. There's a lot of time left, though. Um, the climbs have looked pretty formidable, actually. Uh, yeah. Mount Kier is coming up pretty yeah, soon. So, like, right, like right now, essentially. We, World's yeah. courses are very hard, and this one also looks like it's going to be quite hard. And it's yeah. twisty, turning roads, too, so I can see why it's going to be technical. I yeah. think we're in for a very hard, exciting race. And the 40-year-old rider from the Vatican is on our screen right now. The lone Holy Land rider, right? He's only one person on his team, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. He's yeah. getting swept up, I think, by the, by the, the Peloton. Peloton. He was, right like, now. in the middle somewhere. Peloton already not looking that big. I mean... Um, it was going to be dropped a, off the back. France is really up to the pace, but there is still a group out in the front and um, a long, long way to go. So riders might be planning on right. forming a gruppetto, chasing back on. Right. Um, still 11, 11 people out front, but yeah, Ryan from the Vatican, he's been caught by the Peloton and, uh, there are riders dropping, but yeah, Pavel Sivakov is out the front for France and he's really accelerating, but we're going to sleep and, um, yeah, hopefully we're eating donuts and, in the middle of Connecticut talking about this next time we're talking. So yeah. Thanks, Cal. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. Hi, it's me, John. I'm back. And as you can tell by my voice, 
I'm not very excited about the outcome of the uh, 2022 Men's Worlds Road Racing Championship. I didn't wake up nearly as early as I thought I would, but I ended up waking up at like 5 o'clock, watched the hour and a half recap, and um, Remco's an animal, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for me to watch. I've been cursing to myself for the past hour or so. But yeah, he went off with like, 34k to go about two laps and um yeah one by a resounding a resounding lead of about two minutes so i'm gonna get ready to go for a bike ride with cal we might talk about this a little bit later as we're eating cider donuts in connecticut but yeah i guess congratulations to remco christoph laporte got second which is cool and uh hometown hero michael matthews Hometown hero as in Australia, not American. Got third place. Wow, came in fourth, and I couldn't care less about the rest. Matthew Vanderpool pushed a little girl and, uh, I don't know, broke every bone in her body or something. That's just what I'm hearing out on the streets. Um, yeah, I'll be back in a bit with more. Uh, who wants to listen to what? who am I, Bill Burr? What do you want to just listen to me talk on a Sunday morning, just getting all upset about cycling? No, no one wants to hear that. Maybe someone does. I sure don't. My wife doesn't. Okay. All right. I talked about it a little bit earlier this morning, but we are out here at Clyde's Cider Mill. What town? What town? Stonington. We're in Stonington. Stonington, Connecticut. And quick recap of the Worlds. Cal, how do you feel about the way uh, Worlds uh, turned out? Worlds... Um you know, obviously a little disappointed. It wasn't our pick. Um, uh, I think, in retrospect, a little bit of a boring race. The Vanderpool drama has been probably the biggest uh, talking point of the race. Um, but, you know, uh, it's a beautiful morning. We're out here having some donuts and some cider. Yeah, that's really the, uh, for lack of a better term, sugar coating on the cake. Yeah, I mean, the it's... There's so many yellow jackets around. You probably hear them buzzing by the microphone. We're getting swarmed by yellow jackets because they want our, our, our sugar donuts. But uh, despite that, um, you know, we've got the beautiful autumn day. Yeah, it's very nice. The first touches of fall colors are on the, the trees here. And uh, there's the smell of cinnamon in the air. Yeah, they're churning uh, apples out of a dump truck in the back. This place was established in 1881. Um, it's like the oldest steam-powered cider mill in the country. Is that right? Wow, I, I didn't know that, but... I'm fairly certain it is the oldest steam-powered cider mill in the country, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. If not the oldest cider mill in the country, but I think there's some there's some caveat to it, like it's steam-powered. Yeah, we're having our own fall classic ride here t- this morning. Yeah, it's a, not quite a metric century, but almost. Maybe, yeah, right on the cusp. I think it is. Right yeah. on the cusp, yeah. 62-ish. And, uh... Yeah, so... Yeah. To bring it back to Worlds, um, after we stopped recording last night, there was a small break that formed that, or not a small break, so kind of a uh, break with some big players. So Pagachar, Wildfan Art, a few of those guys um, made a move on one of the big climbs. Got away for a little bit, looked like it might have been the move of the day, but kind of fell apart. Got, got, he got brought back. back in. And then um, a little while later, Another move went, this one with Remco and two of his teammates, and Nielsen Paulus was up there. Um, none of the other really big names, but enough 
solid riders enough to make that break work, and they got I right. think, about a two-minute advantage. And then with about 40k to go, Remco went solo. Yeah, Lutsenko of... tried to hold onto his wheel, uh-huh. but by the time it was like two laps to go, which I think each lap was about 17k, so like 34, 40 to 35 kilometers left, Remco just blew it up, hands on top of the hoods, and yeah, put down the power, and no one ever saw him again. Yeah, I guess there wasn't a ton of cooperation with the chase group. Um, obviously, Belgium uh, wasn't going to chase him, and the Dutch riders didn't have their leader, so uh, it just kind of left France uh, and Germany and some other folks to uh, try to bring him back, but obviously uh, nothing to, for them to do, and that was the race. You know, I don't know if anyone's ever said this before, but Remco's kind of like the next Eddie Merckx. Oh my God! No, I don't really think he is. I mean, obviously, he's very. That was a very strong performance. It was a like, he's going to be wearing the rainbow bands for, for the year, uh, ten months or so until the next worlds. Next worlds are interesting. You were telling me it's like a full mountain bike track and road race worlds two week event in Scotland in yes. twenty twenty three. Yeah, in Glasgow, they're doing all the different disciplines, all the world championships at once. Uh, something that they're going to do now every four years. Um, so they're cool. going to do them all together every four years, but they're still going to do the one, the solo ones every year? Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, when we were recording last night, I'd said how I was excited for a Grand Tour winner to be in the Rainbow Jersey. Of course, I was thinking of Pagachar at the time. Uh, but now instead, we'll have Remco in that position. And he'll probably go to the Tour, I think, because because of what he did in the Volta. And, yeah, um, he's going to be riding a rainbow bike, too, like Philippe. Yeah. You know they're going to give him some sick tarmac. Yeah, specialized. Probably hook it up. Um, yeah. A lot of marketing. They just put out a red uh, tarmac SL7 that is because of his win in the Vuelta. It's pretty sick looking. It's mostly red. The head tube is like a black fade on it. It's like the same bike that he, once he was in the red jersey, he finished the race in. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what else there is to say, really. Um, no, not much. The donuts were good. The race was boring, but Vanderpool uh, put some girl in a body cast, and we, you know, more to come for that. Yeah, uh, that's what we're really waiting on here. Is we're hoping there's some video of, of the incident at the hotel. Yeah, hopefully someone TikToked it. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll be able to get together in two weeks' time for Lombardia and catch up on Vanderpool because uh, Lombardia, the last like classic of the of the year. Uh, in Italy in on October 8th, I believe, and there's a pretty sick lineup. Wout's there, uh, Jonas is there, Primos is supposed to be there, and that's just Jumbo Visma. Um, Garrett, Garrett Thomas, maybe Egon Bernal is there for Ineos. So, yeah, it should be a good race, and uh, Vanderpool might still be behind bars in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stay tuned. We'll have all your updates. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Cal. Thanks, John. Bye. Decaf left, regular right. Decaf left, regular right. It's very challenging work.